Hello everyone, welcome to episode 18, lesson 5 of The Ordinary Photographer. And this week we are talking about aperture. And aperture is, I think, probably the hardest thing for people to get their heads around because it's confusing. Um, and, and that's completely understandable and normal when you're a beginner to photography, getting your head around aperture. But it's it's fairly straightforward, but it can appear to be confusing and it doesn't help that I get confused sometimes when I'm talking about it so even after many years for me it's quite easy to get confused so if you do feel confused and I'll keep saying confused um, then that's absolutely fine and totally normal. So as we talked about when we talked about shutter speed and ISO we'll talk again about how the camera works the light comes in through the lens it goes through the aperture um, which is a hole in the lens. It then goes through the shutter, which opens and closes at a particular speed, and we've already spoken about that. And it lands on the film plane or the sensor, which has an ISO. We've talked about shutter speed and ISO, and today we're going to talk about aperture, which is the third thing in what some people like to call the exposure triangle. So lenses that go on the front of your camera are round, and I guess that's the first question is lenses around and yet sensors and uh, photographs themselves are rectangular in shape. So I'm guessing the reason lenses are round is because it's easy to make spherical pieces of glass on the front and it's be quite difficult to make rectangular ones. So they make the lens round and they make it bigger than the actual uh, size of the sensor. So because it's circular, when you start talking about letting in more or less light you're actually talking about a hole and the uh, the area of a hole and for those of you that remember your O-level maths or GCSE maths or whatever it's called now whenever you're dealing with the area of a, of a circle you, you, you need to get pi involved and when you get pi involved and start putting it into equations numbers don't, don't, don't tend to be very meaningful anymore so it's not like working with shutter speeds where it's quite easy to see what twice and half the amount of time is or ISOs where you just double it or halve it. With uh, with aperture, you can't just double or... Well, you are actually doubling and or halving the area of a circle. But that's really difficult to uh, to work with. So the aperture itself is the ratio of the system's focal length to the diameter of the hole. So what that means is that every lens has a focal length which again we haven't talked about. So don't worry too much about that right now. But what it what it means is that the, the best way to describe when you see it written down it's usually written um, with an F in front of it. It's called an F number. I don't quite know why it was given an F number. That really isn't needed to be known <laughs> and I'm sure you could look it up <clears throat> but the way it's normally written is F and then a slash and then the number and what that that slash has often been dropped off on, on an awful lot of literature and um, all, all sorts of things these days so you just see the letter the letter F and then a number after it but it's actually quite an important fact to remember that there is an F slash and then the number so f8 would be written as f slash 8 and what that means is it's the focal length divided by 8 so this is the thing that some people get find difficult to 
get their heads around is that as you increase the aperture so f8 to f16 to f22 it's actually the bottom half of a fraction so as the number goes up the size of the hole gets smaller so f f16 is quite a narrow hole because it's the focal length whatever that is divided by 16 any number divided by 16 is going to be quite small whereas f2 any number divided by 2 is going to be much bigger than any number divided by 16 and so that's why um, larger apertures have actually got lower f numbers and that's that's really the hardest thing that people sort of get their head around you look on the side of the camera and you'll see maybe f you might if if your camera has actually got the aperture numbers printed on the lens um you might see something like 2 2.8 4 5.6 8 11 16 all these all these weird numbers that don't really mean anything there's no logical way in your head and that's simply because you can't calculate the area of a circle in your head um and they've done it for you and they've they've stamped it on the on the side of the the lens so when you go from f2 to f2.8 you're actually letting in half as much light the circle is getting it's it's basically a half size that it was before when you then go from f2.8 to f4 it halves again f4 to 5.6 halves again uh, 5.6 to 8 8 to 11 11 to 16 and it halves again until it gets down to a very tiny hole and we get apertures that are like f22 which if you take a standard 50 millimeter lens 50 divided by 22 that's that's a tiny like about two millimeters opening two millimeter diameter hole which is which is very very small um, whereas a 50 millimeter lens at f2 50 millimeters divided by two the diameter of the hole is 25 millimeters so that's the technical explanation and, and <laughs> I do drop it on the beginners course even though a lot of people kind of look at me as if to say what because when I didn't <laughs> people didn't know what it meant and I would they would always ask people always say well, what does it mean what do these numbers mean and I could just say okay if, if the lower the F number the larger the aperture the larger the F number the lower the aperture and then people just frowned and looked at me as if I was talking gibberish so it helps to explain that the f numbers are actually the bottom half of a fraction so when you see f2 that's like a half whereas f16 is like a 16th so you can then begin to see that a 16th sized hole is much smaller than a half sized hole um, I hope that makes sense it, it took me quite a while to sort of get my head around it but understanding the size of the hole isn't really that important all you really need to understand is that the smaller it gets the less light it gets it lets in so you can usually change your aperture on a camera and usually it will give you all sorts of strange numbers because they don't always go up in full halves and doubles they'll sometimes go up in thirds or halves so there cannot always often be an awful lot of numbers but the thing to remember is that the bigger the number the smaller the hole the smaller the number the bigger the hole so the side effect of aperture is something called depth of field this is actually quite easy to sort of understand and get your head around um, 
if you imagine when you take a photograph, you're taking a photograph of a 3D object or a 3D scene. There's things in front of you, right in front of you, then a few feet away and then a few more feet away. We've got depth to our scenes. And when you focus on something, and we'll talk about focusing later, but presumably if you've got a camera, you've pointed it at something, a little red box in the center of the frame will light up green, the camera will beep, which means that's sharp, and then you'll take your picture. And the depth of field is the area in front of and behind your subject that is sharp and in focus. And you'll have seen lots of different examples of this. The most common one are things like portraits, where the background is really nice and blurred. Or you might see landscape photos where everything in it is really sharp. So as an example, a landscape photo where everything is, is nice and sharp, that will generally have quite a large depth of field. A photograph of a, a portrait of, of a person's face where their hair has started to blur out and then whatever they're standing in front of is completely blurred out. That's quite a narrow depth of field. And by narrow depth of field, we're sort of we're saying there isn't much front to back sharpness in the image. And it doesn't help, of course, that photographers use different words to describe these things. Um, so depth of field, people will use the words shallow, narrow or small to describe a depth of field. It's a small depth of field or it's a shallow depth of field. Um, or narrow. Yeah, there's, there's lots of different words people use to describe it. And likewise, for a large depth of field, people will use the words deep, wide and large. <coughs> and so, and also when they're talking about aperture, they use things like large and small and wide and narrow. So there's all different words that people will use and they'll freely interchange them. But as long as you can settle on the words that are going to work for you then there's not really a problem it's just important that you understand what a shallow depth of field is in which you know if you were to write if you were to take a photograph of a book for instance on an angle most of the sentences would all be blurred apart from one sentence which would be nice and clear that would be that would be a narrow depth of field whereas if all the writing across the pages if you took it at an angle again that would be a large depth of field so Understanding what a large depth of field and a shallow depth of field are is definitely worth sort of getting your head around. And if you go on the internet and do a Google image search for large depth of field or small depth of field, you will get some good examples of what that is and what it means. So hopefully you understand what I mean by depth of field now, whether it's a large depth of field or a small depth of field. Even I don't know which words I use. <laughs> and it's worth going and looking at some examples online to sort of make yourself familiar with that. And depth of field is a side effect of aperture. So, and it is a side effect. There are other ways to control the depth of field and there are other better ways to control depth of field than simply with aperture. But one of the side effects of the aperture that you choose is that the depth of field will be fixed for that lens. So understanding that you can begin to start to use aperture a little bit more creatively. So if you want to take a portrait with a nice blurred background you can set your aperture to as wide as possible to let lots of light in. And that's that's how aperture works is the wider the aperture 
the narrower the depth of field. And the narrower the aperture, the wider the depth of field. You can see how this is getting confusing, can't you? Because there's lots of things to remember. So the best thing to probably do is to write it down. And the way I do that is uh, large aperture equals large opening equals small depth of field equals small F number. And then small aperture equals small opening, which equals a large depth of field, which equals a large F number. So if you try and remember one or two of those, it's quite easy to get confused. Um, and it's practice that will cement it into you uh, because it's it's really difficult to learn it without um, it's just to learn it rote without getting confused so people tend not to talk about F numbers they will talk about a large aperture and what they mean there is a large hole they don't mean a large F number because they're the opposite of each other and people tend to talk about a small aperture and not talk about small f numbers but then there are people that do it the other way around so it, it it can be really confusing to begin with and it's totally normal so like i said it's well worth writing it down so when people are talking about aperture they will generally refer to the size of the opening so they'll say oh you need to use a larger aperture for that or a smaller aperture and with this, the, si the size of the opening being opposite to the depth of field, so a large aperture will give you a small depth of field, and a small aperture gives you a large depth of field, that just keeps the confusion down to one, one thing, as opposed to throwing F numbers into the mix, which just makes things worse, really. So when we're talking about depth of field, we're generally referring to the amount of front-to-back sharpness. And when we talk about sharpness, we're talking about the word people tend to use is acceptably sharp. So what might be acceptably sharp to you might be unacceptably sharp to somebody else. So if sharpness is critical and important in your images, then you really need to give yourself as much breathing room as possible. And it's quite it's quite easy I think when you get a new lens especially if you get a new lens that's got a maximum aperture that's really really wide it's tempting to just whack it on that take a picture and then be disappointed that everything in it's blurred because sometimes the, the depth of field can be so narrow you know if you I've, I've take, tried taking photos of the cats before and you end up with a perfectly sharp ear but a blurred eye uh, and there's, there's literally only a few centimeters between the two and that that problem can start to happen if you start to use the widest apertures available so as a beginner I always recommend that people back off from using the widest of anything um, so likewise for landscape people just dial up the aperture to the, the highest it'll go to get the smallest hole possible and then take a picture and expect everything to be sharp and it won't always be the case because lenses are a bit like car engines they tend to perform best in the mid-range and when you're flooring the thing at high revs or if you're in fourth gear and you're just about to set off and the revs are like 400 you, you don't get good performance unless you've got a super expensive car that's designed to do that 
uh, and the same applies to lenses you can get super expensive lenses that are designed to be shot fully wide open um, and but they're generally quite expensive and we'll talk about lenses and equipment in another in another lesson but one of the features of lenses is generally regarded as their maximum aperture the widest aperture they will go because it's not just about depth of field it's about light gathering capability and lenses that that will open really wide will let in lots of light and that's a good thing because we've talked about shutter speed and the disadvantages of a slow shutter speed and we've talked about ISO and the disadvantages of having a high ISO blurred noisy images um, can be avoided if you've got room to maneuver with your aperture um, and again we'll talk about reciprocity and how these things all balance out so aperture itself is actually quite straightforward it's a hole that opens and closes depending on what you set in the camera um, and the side effects of what you choose will give you a depth of field an area of sharpness uh, and if you go to a website I think it's called doffmaster.com you can actually type in your camera your lens um, and the subject distance so for, say 10 feet and it will tell you when you put the aperture in exactly in feet and inches how much depth of field you've got uh, and it, it, it varies dramatically does the depth of field depending on what the focal length is of the lens which we haven't talked about distance to your subjects which we haven't talked about um, and so we're going to talk about all of those I go into that in more detail on the intermediate course but for the beginners course it's a case of understanding what aperture is it's the hole that lets light into the lens the size of it how big it is um, and what capabilities you've got with whatever lens you've got on your on your camera and that whatever aperture you choose will influence the depth of field to some extent and by using wide open apertures you get very small depths of field whereas by using really narrow apertures you get large depths of field and that's the bit to get your head round if nothing else large aperture is a large opening but it gives you a small depth of field and it also has a small f number a small aperture is a small opening but it gives you a large depth of field and it's also a large f number and i think the fact that the aperture size and the f number are asked about face is what confuses most people because when people then talk about apertures sometimes they'll be talking about the actual size of the hole sometimes they'll be talking about the f number so it can be very confusing if you don't know what the other person means when they say when they're talking about aperture I will generally talk about the aperture as a whole and then if I'm talking about f numbers I will actually say f16 f22 f2 things like that so that's pretty much aperture covered um, and the, the best way to test it is as as you've as we've seen in the past three lessons with with shutter speed and ISO if you get your light meter app out and this time if you lock your shutter speed to 125th of a second lock your ISO to 400 and then swing the light meter around and see what happens to the aperture 
because ultimately your aperture is going to depend on the amount of light you've got available so you won't always be able to pick the aperture that you want for any photograph um, you, you might be forced by just simply because of the amount of light to use a specific type of aperture um, and this the control of aperture is again taken away from you in automatic modes because the camera will make a decision and the camera will make a decision based on what it thinks will make the best photograph and we'll talk about that shortly actually which is you've got the the plant mode and the mountain mode and the portrait mode on your on your various cameras and what tends to happen is depending on which mode you choose the camera will prioritize something over something else so in sports mode for instance the camera will generally try and give you as high a shutter speed as possible at the expense of aperture and ISO whereas for portrait mode the camera will try and give you a nice wide aperture to blur the backgrounds so the automatic modes are kind of biases towards different apertures shutter speeds and ISOs uh, and, and, and every camera has a different set of settings for things like that but really you don't need to use any of those once you've got your head round what aperture actually is and the the two modes that most people will use are the shutter priority which we talked about in uh, in two lessons ago where you can set your shutter speed to one second and do intentional camera movement or 125th of a second to make sure you don't blur anything aperture there's also an aperture mode which is usually written as a or av on your top dial uh, and if you if you turn it to that that command that command wheel underneath your forefinger that will now change the aperture so the first piece of homework is to go into av mode or a mode and turn the command down and see how the aperture changes and you'll see some strange numbers in there but they won't go any lower than two probably or it might go down to 1.8 but they certainly won't go any lower than one and they won't probably go any higher than 22 so you've, you'll have a range of numbers between 1 and 22 um, so it's worth going in there and seeing what the range is for that lens and the aperture will change sometimes when you zoom in because you're zooming in you're changing the characteristics of the lens and the aperture that you have available might change so if you've got like a standard 18 to 55 millimeter lens you'll find that your aperture might range from 3.5 to 18 but then when you zoom in you might find it goes to 5.6 to 18 because it can't maintain that wide aperture as you zoom in so knowing the capability that you've got go and take some pictures and take some pictures at different apertures and then have a look at them on the computer and see how they compare to each other uh, and the best way to to actually be able to see the comparison is to, is to take photographs at either end and I know I said don't do that because of the car engine but <clears throat> for practice and just to see what the effect is it's well worth doing go and take a picture at the um, largest aperture that you've got the widest opening which will be the smallest f number and see what the depth of field looks like and the best way to do it is to get a, a, a portable subject something fairly small mug of tea anything around that size and then put it somewhere in, like on a coffee table in the lounge and, and try and take a photo quite close to it because if you're the closer you are to the subject that can um, make a difference to the depth of field and you're more likely to see it 
than you are if you do a, a wide angle picture of your entire lounge with a cup of coffee in the middle. Um, but it's quite difficult to illustrate with beginner equipment because the widest apertures, they're, they're just not very wide on most of the lenses that come with cameras to begin with. But uh, have a go at taking pictures at different apertures. Um, and, and as it's really all about you being comfortable in understanding what we mean at this point in time. We're going to go on to talk about lenses and we'll talk about focal lengths. Um, we'll talk about reciprocity. There's all sorts of other things to add to this knowledge. Um, so really, just at this time, it's about understanding what the aperture is. It's the hole that lets the light in. And it's because it's circular, pi is involved, which is why the numbers don't make an awful lot of sense. Um, the widest aperture that you've got will let lots of light in, but it will give you a small depth of field. And it's a small F number. A narrow aperture, it's a small opening, won't let much light in, but it will give you a large depth of field. And it's also a large F number. So those are the two sentences that I kind of wrote down to, to sort of as a reminder to go back to when you get confused because it's quite easy to get confused so that's it for aperture I think what have we done there 25 minutes that's not too bad um, next what we're we doing next time we've we got any homework we're going to talk about focusing next time because focusing is it's quite important and, and a lot of people just don't think about it but once you realize that your depth of field is based on what you're focusing on you will focus on a particular point in your scene um, it's it's quite important to focus on the right thing and I know it sounds daft but the, the camera the modern cameras especially have got a lot of aids for helping you focus and there's also things like manual focus which I'm terrible at but uh, yeah, we'll talk about that and we'll talk a little bit about exposure and metering and stuff like that next time. Now that we know what aperture, shutter speed and ISO all are, we can talk about exposure. But focus is about finding your subject. Okay. So, any questions, email me at theordinaryphotographer at outlook.com. If this has made absolutely zero sense, please email me and tell me why it didn't make any sense and what you didn't understand. And I'll try and knock up a, another episode, subsequent summary type episode, to answer any questions that people have. Um, and I think that would be really useful because it's the, one of the things that I miss doing it like this, as opposed to in a classroom, is that people can just people can't throw stuff at me and say, "Look, I don't," and I can't see their faces. You know, when I can look around the classroom and I can see everybody just looking at me like I'm an idiot, I think to myself, "I just did not explain this very well at all." Um, and not having access to a whiteboard to draw stuff it's really really difficult far far more difficult than I thought it would be um, so I hope it made sense you've got my email address go and take some pictures print them off stick them in your scrapbook write some notes next to them write down what I've said about aperture and what it means just as a point of reference to go back to in the future when you've forgotten it <laughs> which inevitably happens um and yeah we'll uh, we'll crack on in a couple of weeks so take care and i'll speak to you all soon